This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Clipping Carlson. I'm your host, Julien Paquette, and this is the show where we bring you the best from the last week in the Keeping Carlson Network, because we know some of you are busy and don't have the time to listen to all this amazing content. So I feel like this week's theme song has to be The Final Countdown by Europe. It was especially true for NHL GMs with the trade deadline coming on Monday. The Red Wings and the Capitals made a splash at the end of this deadline, uh, trading away uh, Jacob Rana and Anthony Mata. Uh, so the guys from Shortchist, Ben and Lewis from Shortchist, had to talk about these guys who were a bit unappreciated by their previous teams. Now he's in line to play next to Nicholas Backstrom, who offers some really excellent upside as a playmaker for Mantha, who's shown he can be a volume shooter in the past, despite seeing a downtick in the shot rate this season. I think that's enough to turn around his miserable point pace this year. And we've already begun to see that. What a snipe on that first goal in Washington. What does concern me about this fit, though, for him is that Washington does not need to use him in an offensive role. And I do think he'll be productive at even strength, but I don't see where he fits on a top power play in Washington. In Washington, So to me, that is a pretty severely limiting factor for him. I do see him as somebody who can put up like 60-ish points from power play two with very nice peripherals as well. Yeah, uh, I think you make some really good points in there. I also was thinking about 60-point pace rest of season. Obviously, he's doing better than that uh, with some big goals tonight, mm-hmm. but they're not going to get to play Philly every night of the year. Um, yeah, but they do have some pretty. do that. <laughs> they do have some very tasty uh, offerings uh, coming up. But yes, I'm with you there. I-, I think that this is clearly a line upgrade, despite the fact that it's a second line. And we'll see probably some slightly limited deployment compared to what he was getting before. I think this is a trade that's going to make both teams pretty happy. And I think it's going to make Jakob Verana happy. You know, this is a guy who is a top 20 uh you know, points per 60 minutes player uh, who is not getting a ton of time and a ton of great deployment in Washington. And he really struggled to to get off that schneid. Now, there may be reasons for that that, you know, are either behind the scenes or unknown to me for one reason or the other. But I have to imagine that on a team like Detroit, they're going to want to show off their shiny new toy. They're going to want to show off what they got. I don't see why he wouldn't get prime deployment. Do I have any reason to guess that Verona will be able to get better deployment in Detroit while Blasil is still there? I have I have questions. We will see. If he comes out and he's getting 17, 18 minutes a night, then I will I will be very excited. But for now, the supporting cast is significantly worse than it was for him. I mean, he was playing most of his minutes this season. His most common line mates were Backstrom and Wilson. And he's going to a team where maybe one player is of that tier, right? So I think 
He's probably still a 50-ish point winger who I'd only really stream in if he fit the schedule well and there weren't better and more obvious options available. The Boston Bruins also made a splash before the deadline, trading for Taylor Hall. Obviously, this improved the situation for the star winger. But they also made a death move, adding a player who was quietly having a great offensive season. Defenseman Mike Riley has been playing on the top power play for the Bruins since uh, coming over from Ottawa. We mentioned him last week. He has he had 18 assists on the year to start a really excellent start from a guy who was like 2% owned in fantasy before the trade. Uh, is getting a look on the top unit while Matt Grizzlick is out. Do you think he has a chance of keeping that deployment when Grizzlick returns? I don't think so. I, no. I'm going to pour some cold water on this one. I don't see that happening. I think they're going to go back to what they're familiar with and, and put Grizzlick back up there when he returns. Um, you know, I think it's a nice idea. I actually think Riley gets a bit of a downgrade here, potentially. Oh. He was on that hot run. I, I think I think what's going to mask, uh, or I'm sorry, what will make it seem more pronounced is that he was on this really nice run in Ottawa where he had a bunch of games in a row with an assist. Um, and I, I just didn't, you know, we talked about this before. We didn't think that that was sustainable in the first place. And I think now being in Boston in a likely reduced role, uh, you know, especially because, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot from Boston here uh, in this first game with the new formations. I just don't see it sticking. Interesting. Yeah, um, I, I I don't see really a reason why Grizzly couldn't be bumped. The one thing that makes me think he'll stick and I guess like general loyalty to the guy, you know, it's not like Mike Riley popped on there and, and went crazy tonight or anything, but Grizzly does have the contract. So, you know, maybe you just want to keep him happy and you don't want to give him a reason to be, to be frustrated. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I see your, I, I think you're right. Probably they, they lean Grizzly, but it wouldn't, you know, blow my socks off if they, if they turn to Riley. Another deadline move. Well, it wasn't quite a trade. But the Panthers uh, added Nikita Gusev this week, and uh, so far he's getting good deployment. So the guys from Short Shifts also talked about the rushing winger's new situation. And he is playing not just on the top line with Sasha Barkov and Mason Marchment. He's also playing top power play with all the studs on the Panthers. Um, And so I I think at this point, you kind of have to say Gusev's a speculative ad, no? At at, at least. Yeah, I, I think this is a, a lottery ticket that is worth uh, worth grabbing onto. He, you know, he, maybe he is not uh, uh, a a Panarin type uh, coming over from the KHL with a lot of fanfare to really make that smooth adjustment to the NHL and be as successful. But he certainly is not the player who was getting healthy scratched in New Jersey. Like he has more to offer uh, than what he was able to to show as a Devil. I hope so. I think what we learned this season uh, from Nikita Gustav is he's not a two-way specialist. And so putting him in a position to succeed offensively could, I, I think that they're, I think to your point, there's still upside there. Uh, I talk about this a fair amount, but basically when it comes to thinking about players I might want to add in fantasy, I think about two things. I think about skill and I think about opportunity. And with Nikita Gusev, you can see the opportunity here, right? talking about the final countdown uh, it's pretty much the end of the fantasy season for some of you it's probably already over if you didn't make the the fantasy playoffs but if you're still in the game you wanted to listen to the main show on uh, sunday where brian and elon uh, analyzed every team's schedule and recommended some players you might want to pick up from each of these teams starting with the vegas golden knight who 
pretty much have a perfect schedule all the way. Uh, but anyway, yeah, this is a perfect situation because not only is this a team with a great schedule, but it's also a team that you probably have a lot of potential free agents out there that are in good spots on the team. Like Riley Smith, you know, he's been quiet forever. He's been dropped in a few of my leagues, but he's still on the Carlson and Marsha so line. Chandler Stevenson is out there in a lot of leagues. Had two points versus Arizona. Hard not to like the potential of a guy playing on the top line and top power play with Stone and Pacioretty. So, Brian, I feel like these are two guys that maybe they've been dropped and probably for good reason because they've been so quiet. But now if you just want to pick a player that's in a good spot and has a good schedule, I like them both. Riley Smith's season this year, and it still does, it looked so similar to others where Smith is paced for 60 or more points. He had a 62-point pace last year with only five power play points. That's awesome. We love that kind of production. But this year, a 32-point pace and nothing at all has changed. His deployment hasn't changed. So I am not even at all going... Like, you can stream in Riley Smith for one, maybe two games. But if you're planning to add a guy to your roster for a whole week, I honestly would prefer a couple other options on Vegas before Riley Smith, who are probably available in your format. One of them is Chandler Stevenson. And then the other guys that I'm going to take, Elon, in a full week over Riley Smith, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but Tomasz Nosek, with a goal today, is now up to 13 points in his last 17 games. That's six goals and seven assists. And I think it's sustainable-ish. Like, nobody on his line is shooting uh, like crazy. They've just been good. So it's been Nosek and Alex Tuck and Keegan Kolasar. I am into any of Alex Tuck, who probably isn't available because he's been uh, having a really strong season, or Tomas Nosek, or even, I'm even going to go here, Elon. If you need D, how about Nicholas Haig, who has six points in his last 13 games? Basically, I'm advocating to take anybody other than Riley Smith from Vegas. Yeah, so I guess, like, we're just looking at this a little differently. Like, I'm definitely focused more, like, for a short-term ad, I guess. I don't know why. I just like Riley Smith. Like, I just feel like he's in the best spot. Like, I I, I would take Chandler Stevenson first as well, but I feel like I'll take the guy playing with Carlson and Marsha, so I think he has the best chance to get points over, like, a Thomas Nozick. But I understand you wanting to ride a hot streak. The Minnesota Wild, also from the West Division, have a great schedule all the way. But uh, if Elon and Brian are to be believed, there's not so much value to be found there. Is there any, like, Brian, who's the number? I'm not going to ask you for a one and nine. Just give me, aside from Fiala and obviously Kirill Kaprizov, is there a forward? Because again, we've got a great schedule here. Is there a forward that you would add on Minnesota? Uh, It sucks because Minnesota has this really fantastic schedule and no one is doing anything over the last three weeks. And if I made it two weeks, it would have been even more embarrassing for the wild forwards. But I went to three just to be kind. So that's about 11 or 12 games. You've got Fiala with 11 points. Uh, Jared Spurgeon, then with nine, Kirill Kaprizov with nine, then Ryan Hartman is next. Former Nashville Predator Ryan Hartman with seven points, and three of those came in a single game. And then you've got Ryan Suter, so two defensemen in the top five, plus a bottom six forward in Ryan Hartman. And then Marcus Johansson with six points in 11 games. Then Carson Soucy with five points in 12 games. Then Nick Bukestad with four. So I am keep going down, and I still have not mentioned Joel Erickson-Eck or Jordan Greenway, who each have four points in their last 12, or Victor Rask, who has three points in his last 12, or Matt Zuccarello, who has two points in his last 10. It is a scoring desert right now for Minnesota, and it's really, really awful because they do have this great schedule. They've had a good schedule for a couple weeks now, and I'm holding Matt Zuccarello being like, hey, Matt, where are you? 
And I still keep waiting. So I, I think my approach with Zuccarello is similar to Jiraiya, where I just feel like this can't go on forever. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. And points are going to come. I just am definitely running out of patience for them. So if you're asking me which Minnesota forward you need to own over the next week to take advantage of their schedule, or two weeks or three weeks, I would say you don't. You don't need to own any of them. Fiala and Kaprizov for now. But if you want to take a chance on someone, I'd still think that Zuccarello has the best bet to perform. Do you agree? Or are you going to tell me that Greenway or Erickson Eck or maybe Zach Parisi or Ryan Hartman have a better chance to to put up numbers? No, I think I'm going to agree with you. Like, I guess this is similar to my Riley Smith, right? Like, just give me the guy who's in a good spot. Like, just because he hasn't gotten points before doesn't mean he won't get points in the future, right? Generally, when we're trying to project, we're doing it based on, like, he's in a good spot. I don't know. He's a good player. Like, Zuccarello went on a hot run. I do like the fact that he's shown us the capability this season of going on a hot run, playing with the exact same people, Kaprizov and Victor Rask. So the guys basically see only one potential streamer worth grabbing in Minnesota, and they from the streams game seem to agree this week. Up next, we've got our Shallow League streamer of the week. It's an old friend making his first appearance for us this year. It's Zook! That's right, baby! It's Matt Zuccarello of the Minnesota Wild. Zook has quietly had a pretty great year so far. 22 points in 27 games, which is good for a 66-point pace. Although recently, he's been on a bit of a cold stretch with no points in April. His last point coming on March 31st. But you know me. I like my coffee hot, my beer cold, and my shallow league streamers do out the wazoo, baby. Zuccarello is playing top line, top power play alongside Kaprizov, which is what I like to see. And the Minnesota Wild have a great schedule this week, playing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday for four games total with three off-day games. Now, Zuccarello's lack of shooting combined with his recent cold streak has made it to where now Zook is only rostered in just 23% of leagues, which means he should be available in most shallow leagues, and he might even be available in deeper leagues as well. You know as our dear friend, he shows up when it matters most, so pick up Zook! So far, we've talked about teams who have pretty good schedules until the end of the season. But there's also the other way around, teams who have pretty crappy schedules. And Elon and Brian talked about the Vancouver Canucks and what you should do with uh, if you held on to some of their players through the COVID-19 break. Uh, because uh, at the end of the season, it's pretty unclear for them when are they going to play and what are they going to look like when they, when they play, basically. So if you have a Canuck and you could hold on till Friday, you're going to be getting a lot of games starting there to the end of the year. And a lot of Canucks have been dropped in a bunch of my leagues. I've seen Besser. I've seen JT Miller in a couple of my FA pools. So maybe you're going to play a game of chicken with your competitors in your league of like, can I wait till Tuesday to grab him? Can I wait till Wednesday to grab him? Because these are guys that you're probably going to want on your roster like you know for when they start playing again obviously they're not doing anything for you until friday so i don't know i don't really know what advice to give just uh if you could get like a marquee guy like that then try to get him of course if you're eliminated at that point because you lose in your quarterfinals because you didn't get any games obviously they won't help you yeah exactly i i'm stuck with besser on my roster and i'm back and forth between deciding whether i'm gonna wait for his two games late in the week or if I'm going to cut ties and try and add another couple games between now and then. I might just say be wary of how long and uh, condensed the road to the Canucks finishing the season is. We just I saw a tweet talking about how many games Montreal had played in the last however many nights, and how tired they looked most recently, and how uh, Vancouver's schedule is 
I won't say twice as intense, but it's even more intense than what Montreal was going through. So just something to keep in mind with your Vancouver place. It's a really weird situation where they're all getting over this, I mean, I'll say life-threatening virus that seemed to do some real damage to their bodies and health and well-being. And they're just going to get right back into it with a back-to-back and then basically not stop playing hockey at least every other night for a month. It just doesn't sound like a pretty situation, and I wouldn't want to be relying too heavily on any of these guys for production. Honestly, I just hope they can come back on the ice, be well, and be a a reasonably good version of their hockey selves. So Yeah, so I think you're making a good point to maybe not rely too much on these Canucks. Maybe you can just let Brock Besser go, because even if he does play, he might not be at his best, or his teammates might not be at their best. So it's a tough situation for you, Brian, because you're like worried about him getting taken by one of the teams with a bye, but you could lose next week, and then you're just eliminated, and it doesn't matter who got Brock Besser. I think you'd rather just make it through and then hope that the rest of your players can do something. So it's a tough situation for sure. Related to the COVID-19 break from the Vancouver Canucks, there's a... Pretty similar situation in Edmonton, where if you drafted Connor McDavid, he's been awesome for you all year, but he's not going to play many games for you in the fantasy playoffs. So what what should you do? So I feel like I don't really know what to say here. Obviously, you're not going to drop a McDavid or a Drysaddle. Nugent Hopkins managers are lucky to have him stashed in IR, and apparently he'll be back next week. So you just get to keep him stashed until Friday, and then you could bring him in. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Definitely not, don't hold Puliarvi. Don't hold Yamamoto. I guess, like, we discussed how maybe Barry and Nurse are tough. Probably too good to drop. So, I don't know. I don't really have a question about Edmonton. It's just kind of bad luck. Brian, how do you feel? You have McDavid in the cuffle. Yeah. uh, It's a bummer. Yeah. I wish I was smarter and had started trying to trade. I actually tried to trade McDavid at the deadline, which I could never see myself doing. But it was just an opportunity to add some more games played. Uh, I failed. So, I still have Connor McDavid. And I just have to hope that he can do in two games what other superstars are still doing in three. His point totals for the year suggest that McDavid is capable of doing oh, this. Sure. Yeah. So I'm really just going to cross my fingers and hold my breath that Connor McDavid can put up enough to get me through to a round where the Edmonton Oilers play more often. But I think outside of him in Dreisaitl, and thank goodness, as you said, Nugent Hopkins is in IR, I don't think any Oiler, aside from maybe Tyson Barry, is worth Nurse. holding. Like, yeah. I, I honestly... I don't know if I'd hold Nurse. Like if you could, if I could swap Nurse for Ellis, Nurse plays four times over the next two weeks. That's brutal. That's a killer. We're gonna wrap things up with uh, well, we got a patron cast this week. Uh, if you're a patron of Keeping Carlson, uh, every month the guys do a show where you can ask them basically any questions you can ask them about a specific player, a specific team. But there's also lighter content uh, in this show, and the guys were talking about Devin Dubnik and. The things got a little bit off the rails. Uh, they, they started a conversation about the best way to spell the first name Devin. And it reminded Elon about a guy he knew uh, who's called Brian, but spells it with a Y. And he told a story of why he doesn't like people named Brian with a Y now. I've told you about my hatred for Brian with a Y. I, I hated Brian with a Y too. Oh my God. Tell I've, us I've known two bad Brian with a Y, but one of them is a fantasy related. I was uh, commissioning a league with this guy Brian with a Y. So first of all, he like we did this league with a bunch of friends, right? It was like my brother was in it, and you were in it, and like some other people. Like I was like I was I've still never found it, right? Like when we were young, I used to have these leagues with friends. Now I don't have that. The couple tier one is like the league with the most friends I'm in, <laughs> I'm in. Like so, uh, so. Anyway, he was like, oh, can my cousin join the league? It's like someone I've never met. I don't know his cousin. But I was like, okay, I like this guy, Brian, with a Y. 
big mistake, obviously. And so then I was like, fine, let your cousin play. And then his cousin comes in, like, two weeks in, or, or really early, his cousin's inactive. Like, not setting lineups, not doing any ad drops, just, like, inactive all season. So, like, I'm messaging Brian throughout the season, you know, just like, or, or not messaging, I was like, I worked with him, right? I'd go to him, like, hey, what's with your cousin? Like, tell him to, you know, he's... Like, uh, I had a matchup against him, and I won 11 nothing. It was a categories league. Like, he didn't even set his lines. This is a joke. Why is he even in this league? Can I replace him? He's like, no, he's just busy. You know, whatever. Like, he's like, no, my cousin's... And then we get to, like, the trade deadline at the end of the year. His cousin's done nothing the whole time. <laughs> all of a sudden, the cousin trades Brian, like, all of his super... All of his good players for all of Brian's worst it's players. A long a cle- like, a clear, like, garbage trade. Like, not even any question about it. Like, literally, the worst-ranked players for the best-ranked players. And then, like, so I ended up, like, canceling the trade. I sent him, so then I had already now sent him, like, multiple messages or multiple emails. I don't remember which. And then he's, like, you know, acting as if, like, I'm a crazy person now because, like, can you stop messaging me? Like, leave me alone kind of thing. Like, I'm, like, bothering him. But I, I'm sending these messages just because I don't want to cancel his trade without <laughs> being, like, rude. So he's, so he's giving me all this attitude, like, you've hated my cousin, like, from the beginning. Like, you're always, like, annoyed at my cousin. Obviously, you're, like, not. So, like, that, that's why he just, like, decided to do that. And it's, like. Oh, I I was I was hated that guy so much, and then my brother like still hangs out with him sometimes. They're friends. And I was like, You're hanging out with that guy. That's a betrayal. I hate that guy. Well, that's it for today's show. I hope you made it through your fantasy playoffs, and I hope you're doing well. If you did, as always, I invite you to listen to all the amazing content provided to you weekly by the Keeping Carlson Network. We'll talk again next weekend. Thank you for listening, everyone.